0: You be seated unless you're heading off to kids' world with Erica back there. All right. Are you going? You going with the kids? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you adults want to go, that's good too, man. You're more than welcome. All right. Hey, a couple things real quick before we get started. Um, Definitely, uh, you know, right now I know a lot of our seasonal visitors, both our snowbirds and our snowflakes. Uh, I say that with the greatest respect, uh, man, man, we've really gotten to love you and known you, man. We've developed some pretty cool relationships this year and would definitely like to stay in touch. So, uh, we have this, uh, stay connected card and man, if you'll fill that out, we can kind of keep you posted on what's happening, but also you can, um, be a part of our, our app, uh, driftwood church at the beach on your smartphone, get that app and you'll see what's going on daily. The messages are there. There's Bible studies going on there. And uh, you'll know how to pray for us. And um, but if you stay connected, man, send us texts, send us emails. Let us know how we can uh, be praying for you. But uh, yeah, I uh, like Pittsburgh. Rob, man, how many times you been down this year so far? Like four. 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 Yeah, and it's only what month? I'm just. <laughs> but uh, he's a snowflake, man. He falls on us and then he dissipates, man. Falls yeah. on us and dissipates. And so we have a few people like that. But Mac, you got you and Holly stay here for how long? Three more. Yeah, yeah, so they are here like for how many months? Like half the year, right? Yeah. And uh, so they're, they're snow But we have people that just come and man, we see you guys one time. But if we see you more than once, that means we didn't scare you off. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're part of the family. You've now been through the initiation and you're welcome. You're part of that family, whether you like it or not. But uh, if you can, fill out that uh, Stay Connected card. Also, you'll see around here, you'll see uh, we have some uh, little uh, cards for our sunrise service. And I think that's going to be in a couple more weeks. And uh, uh, it's 6.30. We'll be out here. And you will need to bring some chairs. The stuff's on here. And uh, afterwards, like we already have a parking crew going full blast. Uh, Bands working on their thing. And uh, uh, Penny and Matt, you guys are working on the breakfast deal up here. So after we have our 6.30 worship service, we'll be having stuff up here. And uh, invite people to come eat, man. Come fellowship. Be a part of it. Let's show them some love, all right? and uh but take these leave them in your condos leave them wherever and uh penny and matt you guys recruiting you need some help or you know okay you're not okay cool or you can penny and matt raise your hand right there if you guys want to be a part of helping them uh go see it and uh then we're there all right cool all right so got some cool things coming up um man i do like fishing i Man, I got a lot of little like outdoor vices. I just got certified. Uh, you guys are like, dude, you've been certified, man. But I just got certified for scuba on Friday. I did my two uh, 60-foot drives. Uh, yeah, dude, that was, that's awesome, man. And uh, uh, That's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I, I, I like to do paddleboard. I do all these things. Uh, surfing is the one consistent thing. that No matter what my hobby is, I'm doing. But... Fishing, I like to fish a lot, and I think I'm getting that fishing bug back again. And um, uh, But my favorite lure is this right here. It's just a little eighth-ounce uh, DOA jig head and chartreuse, because I have the theory that if it ain't chartreuse, it's got no use. That's kind of my fishing theory. And uh, and it's got a pretty shiny root bear tail on it, man. I love that root bear tail, and it's four-inch mirror lure tail. and. I have caught everything there is to catch back here in this river and in the estuaries with it. And I've caught some nice snook out in front too with this before. But this thing right here, man, I've caught snapper, mangrove snapper, I've caught trout, I've caught snook, I've caught flounder, I've caught redfish, I've caught barracuda, I've caught jacks, I've caught look downs on it. Help me out, Penny, what else have I caught in there? What else is out there? Anything, I could have caught a mullet yet. Uh, I've, I've snagged a manatee or two, but kind of let it go. I'm sorry, but they just got in the way, Penny. Penny's the manatee lady, and uh, it'll rust out. But anyways, uh, so I've caught everything there is to catch off of off of this jig right here, and it's so simple to use. So anybody looking to fish, dude, you can buy this right at Walmart. You go to tackle store, buy it at Walmart. It's really easy. And all you do is you just kind of throw it out there. Now don't go chasing that, Marianne. And uh, you just throw it out there, and all you do is just reel it nice and slow. And uh, I knew there's somebody. How many of y'all like had the desire to really just go out and grab that? Anybody have that impulse of there? Yeah. You just reel it nice and slow, and keep it out of the grass, and and then you just keep throwing it again, and uh, you know you just. Uh, You just keep throwing it out there and keep reeling it in when i first got here from fishing the space coast growing up in the space coast man we were jigging it doing all kinds of crazy stuff and the guys here were like no man don't be jigging just just reel it nice and slow it's effortless and all you do is reel it and as you reel it this little head kind of starts wiggling the tail starts wiggling and the fish that are hanging the game fish are hanging down in a little impression a little hole of uh, where they've made some uh, real estate for themselves and they feel that vibration and as soon as it gets overhead BAM it just nails it and it starts yanking out drag man it's awesome and it's simple now you know um, that fish if the fish would have checked this lure out it probably wouldn't have hit it you know if the fish would have kind of instead of acting impulsively and being lured away by something artificial, if it would have kind of gone up and inspected it. And for all I know, some of the fish that didn't bite probably did come and inspect it. They would have come up to this thing and they would have said, man, hey Robert, does this thing smell like fish? you smell it? Now, yeah, hey Susie, does this thing taste fun. like fish? <laughs> <laughs> you know, d- hey Jack, does this thing even look like a fish? Uh, kind of, but if you were a fish, I mean, how many fish are you around if you're a fish? I mean, what are you seeing all day long? You're seeing fish, right? you would think how many fish do you think that they actually see that have a uh, root bear tail like this in a chartreuse head have you ever seen any fish like that out in the river no but but so they're just acting instinctively and if they would go and inspect it against the truth against the real fish if they had to grab a little mudman or grabbed a mullet grabbed something and said "Hmm, look let's compare this to the truth they would see that it's radically different and they'd leave it alone, right? But sometimes we don't like to compare it to the truth. Sometimes instinctively we want what we want and impulsively we go after it and we're lured away by artificial lures all the time. So one way to stop from being lured away by artificial lures is inspect it according to the truth, compare it to the truth. If the, lure, if the, the, the fish would have done that, it would have stayed out of some trouble. Now, the second thing um, is this, that if the fish would have followed the source of power up, it would have seen that this dis- wasn't really acting on its own power. It was, if they would have followed the power up, it would have seen that the power was actually me and my purpose for giving this lure power is to deceive this fish. So that I can hook this fish and bare minimum get a picture of this fish. And if it's of legal size, I can take this fish home and I can fillet this fish and and then I can release it, right? No, <laughs> I can fillet this fish and I can fry it up or cook it on the grill. If it would have like followed the source of power up, it would have seen that the source of power was there to deceive it. And you know what? We have get are getting tossed artificial lures all the time by Satan and his power is there to deceive us. It looks good until we bite, man, and then it's there to steal, kill, and destroy us. And then the last thing, you know, if they, the fish could have kind of checked out and seen what my motivation was as the fisherman. What is my, hey bro, what's my motivation for catching, for, for throwing this out here? Kill the fish. Yeah, dude, kill the fish. All right, you know, unless I'm total pure, you know, unless I've got my limit, but even if I get my limit, am I still fishing? Yeah, bare minimum, I'm going to wear the fish out, right? And then after the fish is like, uh, then I'm going to release it and try to, you know, resuscitate it and get it back out there. But, but my motivation is to purely take advantage of that fish. It's not for the fish's glory. It's for mine so that I can get a big picture. Go on. Jack, you still got that big picture of your big snook on your Facebook? Yeah, that, you caught that fish not for the fish's glory, right? But it was for your glory. Yeah, just like your hogs and your deer and, all, and your turkeys. Yeah, it's for your glory. So you can go, oh, I got this. And, you know, so there's three things that you got to check out to make sure that you aren't getting artificially lured. If one, you will um, if, if, if one, you will make sure that uh, it compares to the truth. If you will take things and compare it to the truth, uh, you'll find you'll you'll avoid a lot of artificial lures Two, if you will um, see the power behind whatever it is, whether the power is coming from Satan or it's coming from God. That's a big thing. Just because you see a miracle doesn't mean it's from God. That's what we're gonna see today. Just because you see a miracle doesn't mean it comes from God. Who else is capable of performing miracles? And Satan is a deceiver. Satan is like a roaring lion. He's not the roaring lion. Satan is out there. Trying, he's just as capable of doing miracles with his power. Now, granted, he has to have God's permission to perform a miracle. But Satan is the one out there deceiving everybody with miracles. So just because you see a miracle doesn't mean it's from God. So again, you need to look at you, you need to look at the, uh, you know, the message, what you're hearing from things and compare it to the truth. You need to look at the, the, the power source. of of the things that you're seeing, and you got to look at the motivation of what's going on. And that will make more sense as we jump into here. But my point is is that Satan is the ultimate in luring us artificially. Anybody ever been lured, lured away? Has he ever thrown something out there, you know? Uh, Racy threw through a cute little girl out there. There it is, right there, and and you know, and you you're like, yeah, buddy, there it goes. All right, how about how about when you're on that diet, you know, or you're uh, you know, he throws out that donut. There it is. I'm not eating donuts. I'm not eating donuts. And bam, there it is. You know, we all got our own little lures, right? We all got our own bait and. You know, and the Bible tells us that in the armor of God, that we're supposed to put that on to avoid the wiles of the devil, the wiles of the enemy. And what that word wiles means is it's a methodology. It's where we get math from. And he's got a specific lure for you. When I fish, if I want to catch Jackson ladyfish, man, I just rip this thing through the water real fast and bam. If I want to catch some snook, I slow it down just a little bit. I want to catch big fat trout. I crawl it on the bottom. I know how to catch these different fish and Satan knows how to tempt us as different little fish. And so, again, as we look at this, I think there's three things that we're going to have to remember about when we look at a miracle. You know that uh, my point is, is that miracles are one of greatest Satan's greatest artificial lures. Miracles are one of his greatest artificial lures, because especially when you're in hard times and you're concerned about your comfort, when you want healing, when you want peace, when you want everything to be fixed, you want everything to work out, you basically see it working out and you follow it. And sometimes God's not so concerned about your comfort as he is your character. And I think that we grow more like we talked about in the mud sometimes. We grow more during tough times and life's not supposed to be easy, especially in our own strength. We're supposed to be following him, man, and letting his strength take over. So today we're going to talk about how to tell the difference between an artificial lure and, and, and the real one. And so let's take a look. Um, oh, actually, I have a remote now, so I can uh, change these on my own. So, all right. Um, again, just because it's a miracle doesn't mean it's from God. All right. And uh, um, anybody here ever see a miracle? <laughs> anybody see something miraculous happen? Yeah, dude. And you got to know where that's coming from. Because uh, think about Satan as far as miracles. you remember uh, Moses and Aaron, right? when they went and they had the rod okay and they threw it down to Pharaoh. what happened to that rod? You may tell me turn into a snake, right And so what did Pharaoh's uh, guys do? His magicians do. They threw it down and turned it into a snake. Now the greatest miracle is when uh, God told Moses originally he threw it down and it turned it into a snake. What did he ask him to do next, Angela? remember what he, he threw it down, told him to throw it down and it turned it into a snake, and then what did he say to do with it? Pick it back up. Yeah, pick it back. Would that be a miracle if you picked that snake back up, trusting it was going to become a a rod? Yeah, but but every one of those things that that Moses and Aaron did, man, they were mimicked by Satan's power. He does miracles, but he has to get permission and authority from God to do it. Even in the plagues that they had, the plagues that went on, they they even mimicked some of those plagues by Satan's power. So just because you see a miracle does not mean it's it's by God. Now, does God still do miracles today? Yes. Absolutely. But who gets to choose what that miracle is going to be? God does. It's his. And if he thinks we need. And by but by this, you know, man, the greatest miracle that I see today is when he takes somebody who's spiritually dead. Yes. Like race a few weeks ago. Right, bro? Spiritually dead. No desire for God. No desire for Jesus Christ. Now, bro, what's your desire for him like? But, Look at this face. Y'all show him your face, man. Look at that. Look at that Bible in his hand. Look at him on the front seat, man. God took someone spiritually dead and made him spiritually alive, man. Was that a miracle? Yes. Absolutely. And it's happened to so many of us. That's still the greatest miracle today. You might not need a healing. You might not need that financial breakthrough. You may need to walk through the mud and God to show you something, show you his power, show you his authority. And so it's up to him. But don't get me wrong. God can do miracles today and he's doing them all the time. So just because you see a miracle doesn't mean it's from God. You need to test it out. You need to see where it's coming from because so many people are lured away by prosperity more so than by persecution and problems. Look at, uh, here's where we're at in the story in Acts chapter 8. You guys remember there was a lot of persecution in Jerusalem um, after they put Stephen to death. And so the persecution spread the church out. There's a guy named Philip, and Philip went down to Samaria. And um, he started preaching in Samaria because God led him there. And as he's preaching, man, people are giving their life to Christ. People are getting saved. They're doing miracles. There's people having demons cast out, people being healed. All kinds of things are happening. And everybody is taking notice in Samaria because God hadn't been real active in Samaria for a while. Now, as he's doing this, we jump into verse 9. And it says, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. And astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was something or someone great. So this guy was a sorcerer, okay? Uh, this guy was showing great power. He was uh, doing miracles himself. And he was like the only guy in town doing all these miracles. And everybody looked at him and they're like, oh, dude, that guy's doing miracles. He's got power. Let's follow him. And he was of great importance there. And uh, he had been doing it for a while. Look what it says, the, and, and he astonished the people of Samaria. And look what else it says, claiming that he was someone great. Hey, what's that guy's motivation? He's claiming, someone, uh, the, he's claiming to be someone's great. Who's this guy into, right? No. He's into himself. His motivation is to bring glory to him, not glory to God in this. We'll start seeing this. Uh, you're gonna start seeing some common things in all of this. So he was claiming that he was something that was great. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest in this town of Samaria. Look what they said and get this wording. All right. This man is the great power of God. Did you catch that? They didn't say, man, this man's displaying the great power of God. This man (laughs) is showing some great power. They're like looking at this guy and they've been saying for years, this man is the great power of God. He is God. He's the God. he God. He's the only display we have. He is the great power of God in all this. So he liked this gig. How many of y'all would love, Rob, you know, you go out on your boat, your, your little paddleboard, you got your little milk crate. How many of you, would, how many would you love to have the power to every time you throw a lure out just to yank in a big old snook? Wouldn't that be awesome? And, and, and everybody, you would even start calling people over. Hey, guys, come here, man. Hey, all you crackers, you Floridians, let me show you how we do it in Pittsburgh here. And you would throw it out, and you'd be yanking up Big Snook, right? Would you show it off a little bit? I know you would. You'd be chugging it, man. You'd be cheeseballing. You'd, you, you'd be yanking. Yeah. And that's the way this guy's life was, man. He would go, hey, guys, come here and look at this. Boom. Hey, guys, look at this. Boom. And he had great power, but who was he out to glorify? Himself. himself. When someone's out to glorify themselves and not glorify God, it's the first sign that you need to pay attention to that it's an artificial lure. It's not the real thing from God. It's artificial because God wants all the glory. And the Bible even says he's a jealous God and he deserves all the glory. And he puts judgment on people who take glory and rob glory from him. So one of the first time when you start seeing something happening that looks pretty cool, looks pretty amazing Start asking yourself, what's this person's motivation? Is there motivation to glorify God or is it to mo- glorify themselves? And it's to glorify themselves. God's not in it because God is not going to share his glory with anybody. Amen. Amen. He's not going to share his glory with anybody. And in fact, he says that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You know, James and Peter both talk about he resists the proud. You want to you want to take all the glory and the credit? Go ahead. I'm going to quit. I'm going to take my hand off you and let you do it. But if you want to be a part of something awesome and give him the glory, he's going to give you a lot of opportunities to do that. So this guy, man, he loved walking around and having people say, wow, this man, he is the great power of God. And so moving on, it says they heeded him uh, because he astonished them with his sorcery for a long time. And so, man, whatever he wanted, he's like, wow, you know, I could probably do something good if you all bring me a cow. Bring me some steak. Anybody want to bring me steak? I will. I'll do something awesome for you. Hey, man, you know what? Anybody want to build me a new house? I'll do something. He used it to his advantage because people were astonished. It was all for him and none of it was from God. And the reason was is because none of it was from God. This man had power straight from the pit of hell. And I want you to understand that just because you see a miracle, it is not necessarily of God, even though God's always doing miracles. But we've got to be able to discern, because as we get farther and farther in time, closer and closer to the end, and we don't know when that is, but we know we're closer today than we were yesterday. As we get closer, the world is going to get more deceptive. What did Jesus say, man, when everybody kept saying? Oh, hey, tell us the signs. What's going to happen at the end? He said, don't worry about the signs. You just keep making disciples. But he he said, help me out with this. He kept saying, do not be deceived. deceived." Deceived. Say it more time. He said, do not be deceived. Exactly. He over and over, that's what he told people. Man, it's going to look like it's going to be as worse as it's going to be. And then all of a sudden it's going to be okay. And then it's going to look like it can't get any worse. The world's going to get worse. And you're going to think I'm coming back and then it's going to be okay. And it's gonna be during one of those times of peace and safety where you think everything's cool, that like a thief in the night, I'm coming in in a blink of an eye, man, and bam, I'm coming in. He said, but for you who believe me, you stay focused on me and you recognize me and experience me so you're not to be deceived. And so these people, man, he had them wrapped around his finger, they heeded him, they listened to him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Dude, I'm fix to go astonish some fish this afternoon. <laughs> and, and you know what? They're going to follow me to their death. And do you understand that's why Satan wants to deceive us? His goal for us is to steal, kill, and destroy us. He wants to steal your hopes and your dreams. He wants to kill your visions, kill your joy. He wants to destroy your life, especially if you're a believer, because he knows he can't have you for eternity. So he wants to mess you up real bad here. And he would also love for you to so have a life that misrepresents God so that everybody looks at you and says, wow, that's a Christian. I don't want to be that. Wow, that's a Christian. What's the difference between that? Except you have to go to church on Sunday. What's the difference between, you know, he would love for you to be able to misrepresent him. And so he lures us away so often with this, the way this guy with astonishment, with a miracle, with something that's not of him. And again, One of the first key things in distinguishing what an artificial lure is, is the motivation. And if the motivation is not to glorify God, it's not of God. I don't care what it is. And let me ask you a question. Can Satan use us as believers? Absolutely. Can he possess us? No. No, because we're fully possessed by God and God ain't sharing us with nobody. But as we follow those lures, we are a tool for him all the time. What does he say? We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principality. You know what? Every time you let your selfish self get in the way, he's using you. He's using you in a disagreement. He's using you in a situation and using me that way. So he uses us when he can lure us away. But. If we can check out the motivation of people doing things, we're less apt to follow that lure. Check this next part out. It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So get the picture. All these years, this guy Simon's there. He's doing miracles. He can get everybody to do anything he wants them to do because he can entertain them, because he can put curses on them. He can do all these different things, and he's got everybody wrapped. He's got miracles. Now, the idea with Magi back in that day, um, these were magicians. These were educated people. They were scientists. They, they could really do some stuff that made you, you know, that, that you could deceive. They actually had tricks, too. And what was common among Magi is that they would sell their tricks to each other. So one guy knew this trick and he's like, sees another guy and says, dude, my people in my town have never seen this. So how much will you sell me your trick for so I can take that back to my town? And they would just build a repertoire of tricks that they were using. And so understand that as he started seeing Philip do stuff, it says when they believed, uh, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, Philip just came in preaching Christ, that Jesus Christ is salvation and the kingdom of God. Uh, both men and women were believing. They stopped following Simon. And who did they start following now? Well, they were following Christ through Philip. Do you think Simon got a little jealous of that? You think, how, how is it anybody here ever lose a little bit of power? What's that do to you, man? <laughs> you ever lose a little power? You ever seen anybody lose power? What happens? Power is addictive. When you lose a little bit of power, man, um, you start kind of figuring out a way to get that power back. Unless you're a born-again Christian that is filled with the spirit and realizes God is now shifting power. We don't like losing power. So this guy, he's starting to see all these people giving their life to Christ. And they're men and women, and they're all getting baptized. And by the way, at sunrise service and Easter, we will be baptizing. And you're still getting baptized, right? Yeah. And again, i uh, tell you about baptism. Baptism isn't, uh, doesn't save you. But baptism, when I stand you up in the water, it looks like a what? Help me out. It looks like a cross. And when I take you under the water, it represents Jesus's yeah. death and burial. But fortunately, because you're not a fish and don't have gills, Jesus did what? He rose again, and that's what it represents. But it represents you dying to your old life and rising to live a new life with him. Uh, as your power and authority and all of that and race will be getting baptized and anybody else man who would like to get baptized wants to who's never been baptized and wants to symbolize that please let me know all right because we're going to be doing it out here but that's what's happening here people were getting baptized and so then Simon himself also what's that word He he believed wow so that solves it Simon just got saved right I mean isn't that cool Simon just gave his life to Christ Simon just got saved But let me ask you a question everybody who says they believe, do they believe? No. Everybody who's, who says they surrender their life, do they really surrender their life to Christ? No, no. and again, you gotta check motives. Man, you gotta, you gotta check the message. You gotta, you gotta check things out here because all of a sudden, Simon's seeing all this going down saying, oh, you know what, I believe. All right, I believe. All right, what's the next step? Because he saw a value in believing or at least saying that he believed, but he's gonna reveal himself later. And so he says, all right, I'm a believer now. Now I'm part of the family. What do I have to do next? And what was the next thing he was going to do? And when he was baptized. baptized, So, yes, sure enough, man, Easter sunrise service. Here's Simon, the sorcerer, man, being baptized. And so Simon, the sorcerer is now identifying with this power because he's hoping to maybe get a little bit of this power. It says, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Why was he hanging out with Philip so much? What do you think? Yeah, because Philip, he, he equated the miracles with Philip and he's like, dude, I want to get to a position where I can learn how to acquire this miracle from you. I want to learn some of your tricks. So is it possible to come to church? Is it possible to make a profession of faith? Is it possible to act like a believer and not be one? Yes. Absolutely. In fact, the saddest verses in the Bible are found in Matthew in chapter seven, where when it talks about Jesus talking about separating people And these people who have been in church their whole life and have been serving in church, and they're getting put in the goat line, the wrong line, and they're like, wait, wait, Jesus, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I do these magnificent miracles in your name? Didn't I do this? And what does Jesus say to them? He says, yeah, you did do those things. You did them. (laughs) You did them. Yes, you got it exactly right. Didn't I do this? In then he says, yeah, exactly. You did it. I didn't. And he says, be gone. I never knew you. And that word, know, you guys know what it means when knowing somebody in the Bible sense, right? That's an intimate relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying. I've never had that intimate relationship with you. You never fell in love with me. You never received me. You never surrendered yourself to me. Yes, you tacked on church. Yes, you tacked on some hell insurance. So you thought. Yes, you tacked on some religion. But your life never changed. You never surrendered a single thing to me that you wanted to hang on to. You kept it all. When salvation requires you give it all. It's surrendering everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Christ at that time. And then continuing to surrender. Suzy, how long have you been saved? Forever? No, no. you weren't saved in utero, but you've been saved a long time. Are you still, have you surrendered at all? Are you still surrendering? I'm still surrendering. Is he still showing you things to surrender? Can you not tell God, you know how long I've been saved? I don't, I've surrendered more than most people. I'm not surrendering anymore. So that's it, God. You never get enough. You never are done until we get to heaven and we lose the flesh and all our desires now are for him. As long as you've got a body, there's more to surrender. And that's what salvation is. This guy, man, he went through the motions. He came to church. He said, I believe, made a profession of faith. He got baptized, and he even continued walking with Philip. And people were probably going, wow, look at this guy. He's probably going to be the next preacher here, man. Watch him. What? Look at this guy. He's something. He was already something. Imagine him now. And, and it says, and he walked with Philip, but Simon was amazed. But what was he amazed at? Was he amazed by God's unconditional love for him? Was he amazed that all of the wretched sins, how he'd been taking advantage of people and misleading them for years, that all of that was now forgiven and his sins were paid for and he had a home in heaven? Is that what he was amazed about? No, look what he was amazed. He was amazed. Read these last part with me. Help me out. Seeing the... Yeah, dude. You remember when Jesus was here on this planet? And you remember why most of the people followed him? Because they were amazed with the miracles and signs which he doing. Dude, let's come. Dude, last week this guy turned a couple of sardines and some saltines into a meal for everybody. Maybe he's going to do it again. Let's see. And they just wanted to see the miracles. But all the miracles that Christ did were to prove that he was capable of taking something dead and making it alive. So you could have the ultimate miracle of salvation. And so this guy didn't get it. His motivations were messed up in all of this. He was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Jesus was never impressed by that. And that wasn't enough for salvation. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to him. Now, a little background on Samaria. Um, They hated the Jews in Jerusalem, hated Samaritans because back when Long time ago, when the Assyrians had captured the uh, the Jews, uh, they imp- exported a bunch of people, and they took all the lowest class people, and they uh, they infiltrated it. And so these Jews now intermarried with other people, and so the pure Jews in Jerusalem looked at them as half breeds, looked at them as a whole another system. When Jesus went and saw the Samaritan woman, man, he was like, everybody's like, what are you doing there with a Samaritan woman? They hated him. They looked at a lower class of citizen. So God brought Philip down there to preach to them, but if they would have just received the Holy Spirit and everything would have happened as normal as it had been happening, there might have been another still that prejudice. So what happened is, is that when Philip, when Peter and John saw the or heard what was happening down there, they went to make unity in this whole thing. and. Who, when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this. The first 10 chapters of the book of Acts is a transition. And what happens from Acts 11 all the way through Paul's epistles is what happens now. And so in this, when we give our life to Christ, race, when you gave your life to Christ, you got all the Holy Spirit you'll ever have. He's in you. Now it's a matter of you giving him more and more of you. And that's the way it worked. But here, God withheld the Holy Spirit so that Phila, or so that Peter and John could come and put a stamp of approval and make one church. Otherwise there would still be Jerusalem and Samaria. And so they came down and they prayed that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And for as yet, he had fallen, not, uh, fallen upon none of them and they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then here's what happened. And this is where the story comes in. They laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So as so Simon's checking this out because now Simon's like, "Ooh, this is the thing I want. This is the trick I want to learn. If I can learn how to how to how to how to do that, man, and somebody receives the Holy Spirit, man, this is going to be beneficial to me, buddy. Man, think of all the pizzas I can score on this, man. Think of all the houses, all the new cars I can score on this. Think of all the benefits it'll bring to me if I can now touch somebody and they receive the Holy Spirit. So look what happens. Verse 18, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he ordered, he offered them money. He said, hey, this is what us magi do, man. We, we see tricks that we like that could be beneficial to us, and you guys are probably going to leave, so teach me this trick. Uh, how much does it work? Do you sell me the trick so I can continue it? And that's what Philip was looking for. What an insult. That's not how God works. So check this out. In the next one, he says, saying, give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Let me know your trick. Verse 20, but Peter said to him, now here's where we find out that Simon really wasn't saved. Simon went through the motions of becoming a believer. He even showed some signs of being a believer, but Simon was not a believer. And even though Simon did miracles and professed Christ and even said, he got to the point where he probably was even gonna just say in the name of Jesus, we do all of this. In all these miracles, it was not of God. And so look at the first thing, what Simon said uh, or what Peter said to Simon was your money perishes with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. So let me ask you a question. Is the truth. Can, can you purchase the gift of God with money? OK. Can you pray? Can you give enough money to the church to get somebody out of purgatory out of hell? No. no. When you compare that with the truth. Can, can you do anything with money in God's kingdom to buy God? No. No. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. He owns everything and he doesn't need your money. Now he gives. Where does your money come from? It comes from God. Who does it belong to? It belongs to. And now if God's asking you to give back to him what is already his, you're sorry, dog, if you don't. (laughs) So in this, Philip is now like or I mean, Simon is like, hey, I want to I want to purchase this. And Peter says your money perish with you. You got this all wrong, pal. You thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money, and we know that's a lie. So what's the only truth that we have right now? The word of God, right? We have the truth, which is the word of God. And so when somebody, did he have the truth? No, he had a lie. If, if someone wanting to follow Simon, instead of falling for an artificial lure, would compare what Simon's offering and where Simon's at, uh, compare that with the truth, they wouldn't bite They wouldn't bite. We have the word of God. That's why we've got to know the word of God, because if all you do is you see something spectacular and you go chase after it and you don't check it against the truth, you're going to be deceived. You're going to fall for another artificial lure that Satan has for you. So this guy, whenever you see something, whenever you see something that you're got to question, have you ever seen something spiritual happen and it just didn't seem right? Some just kind of seem a little off. What you need to do first is you need to compare it to the truth. You need to compare it to the God. Remember what I said about this fish? If the fish would have looked at this lure and compared it to the truth, doesn't smell like a fish, doesn't taste like a fish, got funky colors. You know what? I'm going to leave this alone. If you encounter, I don't care if you experience something and you compare it to the word of God, which takes precedence, what you experience or what the word of God says? Yes. Exactly. You think about Satan when he took Jesus up on a mountain and he said during the temptation, he said he took him on a mountain and showed him the, the whole world. Was there a mountain that you could have taken somebody and shown him the whole world? No. I mean, is there? I mean, you could show him what looks like the whole world. He took the guy who owned it all and he was trying to deceive Jesus in believing that this was the whole world. And He said, man, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. Who owned it to begin with him? Think of the audacity of Satan. Think of if he can try to show the savior, the owner of this world, something that looks like the whole world. What can he show us? How much does it really take to lure us? Any of you ever get a new hobby? Any of you get a new hobby? And What kind of new magazines do you have now? What kind of new uh, uh, stores do you go into now? You know, you know how many dive masks I have now because there's one that's better than the one I have. You know, I'm always looking online. Oh, man, that one might be better. That real might. You know, it's not hard for him to lure us. That's why we've got to stay in the truth. So the first thing you need to do to avoid biting on artificial lures is you compare what you're experiencing with the truth. You compare what you're experiencing with the truth. Isn't that how we live by faith and not feelings anyways? Compare what you're experiencing with the truth. That's what's got to happen. So Peter said your money perishes with you because you thought. You thought that that the gift of God could be purchased with money, and it can't be. It's not the truth. It can't be. So he had a wrong idea of the truth. He didn't know the truth. Now look what Peter says. You neither have part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. So if your heart's not right in the sight of God, then is your motivation right? No, your heart's not right. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. And if you see somebody doing something super spiritual and their motivation is not to glorify God, do not bite that artificial lure. If you're getting ready to do something and if something looks too good to be true, what do you what do you hear? If it's too good to be true, what? It's not. (laughs) It's an artificial lure, man. You got to take time. Don't act instinctively and impulsively and bite. So when you're checking somebody out spiritually, man, you got to compare You know, the messenger, if they're giving you a spiritual message, that message has to be right with the word of God. Their motivation has to um, be to glorify God. But look at this next part in here. It says, what does Peter tell him? He says, repent. So let me ask you a question. If you have to repent, are you full of the spirit? Because what quenches the spirit of God in our life? Sin. Sin quenches it. If you didn't have sin, would you have to repent? No. So if someone's telling you to repent, it's obviously at that point, you're not full of the spirit in this. And we'll even see more. He says, repent, therefore, your wickedness. So, again, is he getting his power from from Satan or God? He's getting his power from Satan. But again, we have the tendency as humans, we love the supernatural. We love the spectacular. We hate the mundane walking through life. Just walking steadily and consistently when, in fact, that is probably one of the most impressive things you can do is walk as a solid believer for a lifetime. How many of you have ever seen somebody, you know somebody who has had a solid, consistent walk with Christ? Do you know anybody like that? That's awesome because there's so few. How many of you have seen people go pew in their walk with Christ and then the next time you see them, bam, and then they're up and they're down. You guys all know people like that. I know you looked in the mirror like I did today, right? (laughs) The most impressive thing is just that solid walk with Christ. But we don't like that because we have a flair for the spectacular. And man, when some spectacular happens, all of a sudden we go to it and that's what we want. Be careful. That's one of Satan's most common artificial lures is the spectacular. Compare it against the truth. Make sure that messenger is right on with God's word. Make sure their motivation is to glorify God. And make sure that their power is coming from the Holy Spirit of God. Because Satan has a deceptive power that looks like God. He's like a roaring lion. He doesn't want to be God. He wants to look like God. So he says, repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, uh, God, if perhaps the thought in your heart may be forgiven you. So he's convicting him, saying, man, you got an issue. You've got an issue, Elena. You need to get it right. You need to repent. You need to turn. You need to, you need to have your heart changed. And so if you were full of the Spirit, if you were a, a believer and, and you're, you're getting conviction, what do you do with that? You change, right? You repent. You turn. And so look what happens in here. He says, man, Peter goes on and says, I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Again, is this somebody full of the spirit race? Is this someone full of the spirit? No, they're poisoned. They're full of bitterness. but they're doing miraculous things. They have to be from God. So is this guy, when you compare it against the truth, does he line up with the truth? No. No. And 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 if you see his motivation and action is his motivation to glorify God. No. And if you look at him, is he getting his power from the Holy Spirit? No. Because to have an unquenched spirit in your life, you've got to be walking with him. You've got to be willing to repent. You know, none of us are perfect, but you've got to be willing to keep going in that direction. Whenever you refuse God, that's as far as you're going. You know, have you ever been walking with God and all of a sudden you get distracted and you go into a (laughs) cul-de-sac? How much progress? How many awesome things are you doing in that cul-de-sac right there? (laughs) You know? You're just walking in that. Exactly. And you're miserable in the cul-de-sac because you're not experiencing the supernatural. And yet the world is kind of boring in that cul-de-sac. It's not until you repent and come back out and walk the road with God again. So, man, it just... He said, you're poisoned by the bitterness. You're bound by iniquity. You need to get out of this cold. You need to get saved. You're walking the wrong way. You need to turn and head towards God. Quit playing church. Quit playing Christian just to benefit you. So look what Simon answered, and we're almost done here. So Simon said, Simon says, get it. Dude, I just, yeah. It doesn't take much to amuse me, does it? But Simon said, Simon said, you are right, Peter. Oh, you are right. I need to repent. You're right. All I've been doing, I I faked my conversion. I faked my confession for Christ. You know, I saw it as an opportunity to benefit as even a better. I just wanted to become a better sorcerer. I just wanted to become a, 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 a better demonstrator of Satan's power. That's all I wanted. I just wanted more tricks to my bag. I wanted when you guys left to be the king guy again. You kind of hurt my feelings because now everybody's following you and not me. So you're right. I repent, man. I am so sorry. This is a serious matter. This is eternity, not just this earth. So I repent, I, I, I quit, I admit I did it wrong. I truly am sorry. And if God doesn't ever let me be a sorcerer again, I'm okay with that because I'm surrendering my life to him and whatever he wants is right. And so I'm sorry, I repent and I come. Is that what Simon said? Now, let's read what Simon said. <laughs> and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say it with a little bit of attitude like Simon. Because Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me yourself. <laughs> you pray. Because that's what Peter said. You better pray and repent. And Simon said, you pray for me. That none of these things which you've spoken come upon me. So what was he trying to avoid? Why did he want Peter to pray for him? Was it because he's sorry that he hurt a holy God, that he sinned against a God that he was madly in love with? Is that why he wanted, that why he prayed? No, all he prayed for, he said, you pray for me. He wasn't even gonna pray for himself. He's like, you pray for me. He didn't get it. You pray for me. And when you're praying, pray that none of these bad things happen to me. Let me ask you a question. When you repent, how do you pray? Why do you pray? Why do you repent? You know, there's worldly sorrow and there's godly repentance. You know what godly repentance is? It's when you are convicted that what you have done has offended a holy and righteous God that you're madly in love with. Man, you repent because you didn't want to hurt him. You didn't want to do that against him. Man, you didn't want to sin against your God. You love your God. I mean, does anybody here like hurting people they're madly in love with? No. When you're saved, when you have that intimate relationship with God and you offend him, when you sin and trespass against him, your repentance is because, man, you have offended the one that you love more than anyone. That's godly repentance, not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is, oh, dude. Okay. All right, God, I'm sorry. Please don't let me get caught. Okay, God, I'm sorry. Please don't let me have the consequences. You have now sowed wild oats, and you're praying for crop failures. What you're doing? Do you get that? You now sown, and you're like, oh, alright. And then now it's like, okay, well, God's going to forgive me because I have grace. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, God. So don't let any of the consequences hit me. Anybody ever here pray for sow wild oats and then pray for crop failure? Yeah, bro. And sometimes God gives you mercy and doesn't. He does give you crop failure. But the fact is, is that that's not real repentance. Real repentance is that you just hurt someone that you really love, that you're madly in love with. And if you're in love with Christ, man, you're madly in love with him. And this guy, he wasn't there. He just said, you pray for me. Pray that none of this stuff happens to me. He didn't even pray and say, man, let me pray that I have a right heart. Pray that I can truly get saved. Just pray none of this bad stuff happens, because when you leave, I'm going right back to doing what I was doing. And so look what happens, and we're done. So when they had testified, that's all they did with him. And they preached the word of the Lord. They returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And people continued to get saved. We don't hear anything more about this guy at this point. So here's the deal. you got a guy that looks like he's representing Christ. He's gone through all the motions, done all the things. You know how many guys I have seen get on fire for Christ because there's some good looking girl in church they want to hook up with? Do you know how many times I've seen that? Do you know how many single women I have had had the the privilege to pastor who have fallen in love with Christ and they know... Quicker set, tell me one week that I don't need a man. I'm in love with Jesus, man. And I'm so glad I'm not in that scene. And, and, and only to be lured away by some guy, some artificial lure of uh, some guy pretending that he loves Christ. And vice versa. How hard is it for a girl to lure you away? Pretty hard. No, I don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. You guys pray for him. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I I know you got more strength. But what I'm saying, man, is in so many ways and and, and I'll find a lot of people I pastored people who, man, they're now walking with Christ for the first time in their life in just intimacy and, and fervor. And they're totally surrendered to Christ. And all of a sudden they get that job in another town, in another place. And the first thing I ever ask them is like, check out the churches. Are there any churches there? Oh, no, I'll find a church man what's your schedule going to be like nah man we'll find there's gotta be it's a big city there'll be churches and i hook and I, i i hook up with them later to only find out that they haven't been in church they haven't been walking with christ they got lured away and i could go into all kinds of man it was a youth pastor oh man my 10th graders were so on fire for christ Man, 8th, ninth graders, they're like looking. And then the 10th graders, dude, that was the ones they were charging hell with a water pistol, man. They were on fire for Christ. But all of a sudden, 11th grade, they're not around anymore. Guess what happened? What is it that you get when you're about 11th grade? You get that driver's license. And then if you have a driver's license, what do you have to have to use it? A car. car. And if you have a car and a driver's license, how do you pay for it? You have to get a And the job, now you're not in youth group. Now you're not in the word. Now you've got a whole nother life. And all of a sudden, the kid that lived for Christ is now living for that. Guys, I don't know what it is to lure you and I don't know why I'm preaching this today other than this is what God has given me. And I've tried to preach it as best I could. But, man, this is where we're at. And God, it's no accident God has brought you here today. And all I'm going to say is if you see yourself starting to get lured, you're starting to follow. you got some changes happening, and you're being drawn in a way. What I'm going to ask you to do is, one, whatever message you're getting, compare it with the truth. Compare it with the truth. Dig into God's word, and don't say, but, yeah, I'll figure that out later. But that'll work out later. But that'll work out. No, compare it to the truth now and say, Holy Spirit, show me in your word what I'm supposed to do with this. And it might not be something you like. We have a way of justifying things, don't we? Yeah, but maybe God really means this. Maybe God, man, you know what? If I don't do this, I can't afford it or I can't. Man, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what Jesus said. He said, I clothe the lilies, the sparrows, everything's taken care of. And he says, you seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And what's going to be added unto you? Everything. It starts with you. Digging into the truth, man. If you feel yourself getting lured, getting drawn, man, compare it to the truth. Make sure the message you're getting is right with the word of God. Check out your motivation. Check out other people's motivations and the ones luring you. Check out your motivation and how you're following and why you're going to the next thing or this or that or the other. Because how many of y'all think grass is greener on the other side? You been there? But where is grass really greenest? Where you water Exactly, bro. You work in that, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, grass is greener where you water, where you take care of it, man. And so check your motivation. Why are you doing it? Is it for you? Even if it's for your family. But it's got to be for God. I'm doing this for God. And you know what? God may just want to have you have a demotion instead of a promotion. Just because you're following God, life's not all full of promotions. Sometimes promotions go so far, and they're they're lures to get you away. I've watched it happen. So check it out against the Word of God. Check out that message. Make sure it's true with the Word of God. Check out your motivation and other people's motivation in it, and make sure it's to glorify God, and make sure you are full of the Spirit. You have got to be full of the Spirit, and you will not fall for an artificial lure. Because I'm telling you, that Satan, the spectacular, the opportunity, that great thing, that is what Satan has been luring people away with forever. And I'm not saying every great opportunity, every promotion, everything is bad. But I'm saying that if I was Satan and I was going to lure you, I'm not going to lure you with a pile of poop, (laughs) unless you're a fly. I mean, I'm just saying I'm not going to lure you with something that stinks, right? hey, you want to come here and really hate life and go live in a slum? And yeah, Dude, I'm not going to lure you with that. I'm going to throw out something that looks good, man. And I know human people enough to know that you're going to run after it and you're going to bite. And it's not until you're frying up in the frying pan that you wish you hadn't bits. So I don't know who this is for today other than me. <laughs> But again, three ways of avoiding artificial lures is compare it against the what? Truth. The truth. Make sure the message you're hearing lines up with the truth. Make sure the motivation is to glorify God. God. And make sure that you as are filled with the spirit of God. And you do that, bro, and I think you're going to be okay. And I know it's all going to work out. And you'll be able to avoid people like Simon who look like they're all that, but they're not. Let's pray. Father, um, it's kind of a weird message today, and um, uh, I I hope that it made sense to somebody, but I know it's not by my power or my might, it's by your Holy Spirit, that you would take a piece of this, you would take pieces of this, you would take all of this, and put it in the appropriate places uh, where it needs to be in our lives. Father, we want to be madly in love with you And with you, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross for us, we want to follow you. Um, We really don't want to bite an artificial lure, especially if we have salvation and we know we're going to heaven when we die. We know you've only left us here to be able to show others the way to you. But we also know that the enemy would love to lure us away with us being concerned about this life and the things here on this earth more than we are with eternity. And he loves to throw lures and distract us and get us off target, off job, what you've called us to do. And that is growing more in love with you so we can grow more in love with others and want to take them to heaven with us. So Father, help us not get distracted. And please help us not to get artificially lured away. But Father, through your grace and through your love and through your mercy, Would you just continue to draw us closer and closer to you? Help us grow more in love with you so we do grow more in love with each other. Father, you tell us your word is like a two-edged sword that can just penetrate the tightest little crevices of our life. I pray, Father, that whatever crevices it has penetrated today, instead of being like Simon and praying that we don't fall prey to the consequences, I pray that we would realize how much you love us and we'd want to love you that much more and we would obey as an opportunity to show you how much we love you so father i pray that you would just take this message and speak into each of our lives and not let us get lured away but get drawn to you and i pray for these things in jesus name amen, amen.